John and you're at Eureka Street Crypto broadcasting live from Leander, Texas. It is Monday morning, 541 in the morning, March 14th, 2022. And yeah, this is my morning crypto video blog, aka morning brain dump or whatever you want to call it. This is uh, my show documenting my journey through the crypto space as we move forward in the advancement of technology. And uh, I, I used to do it every single day. I don't do it every single day anymore because I'm doing other stuff, uh, other jobs that have happened um, because of the fact that I have learned how to use my audio and visual skills um, to be able to earn some money to keep doing this show. And uh, But yeah... <laughs> Can't do it every single morning now, um, but it's, this has been fun. It's not financial advice. I wouldn't take my financial advice, uh, <laughs> even if I were to say it's financial advice. And um, yeah, it is what it is. All right, so uh, let's take a look over here at the old Coin Gecko and see what's up with that, man. All right, so uh, where are we at? Um, the market's been kind of squirrely um the past couple weeks i'm not a price tech guy technical analysis guy i don't do that i don't really analyze charts um no cup and handle or head and shoulders for me um i nor wedgies ascending or descending wedgies nope i don't do that um i'm just this dude who talks about crypto concepts and projects and I, I try to vocalize them outside of myself so I can understand them. And uh, you're watching me in the process of doing that. So I might say some things wrong or whatever. So I'm apologizing in advance. You know, so, all right. Um, so before you start, you know, pounding the keyboard with the comments and telling me how, you know, wrong I am about this and that. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about any of this stuff. I'm figuring it out. And you're watching me. All right. So, Okay. So Bitcoin's at $39,054.18. Um, Ethereum, $2,590.52. By the way, Ethereum gas fees have been super cheap lately. And um, yeah, it's because the market is you know kind of crappy right now. But I bought an NFT yesterday and uh, um, the transaction fee for that was like $12, um, which, you know, is pretty high in a lot of other people's standards. But for Ethereum standards, <laughs> that's pretty low, man. Um, so, yeah, uh, and I just signed a multi-sig and, it, um, well... I didn't. I wasn't the last signer on multi-sig. If you're the last signer, you have to like carry the cost. But I didn't. But either way, right now is a good time to do stuff like that. If you're doing multi-sig transactions, if you're buying NFTs, if you're staking or unstaking, I would say probably right now is a good time for you to get on that. If you've been thinking about I need to unstake for a while, this is probably a good time to do that. Uh, because the way Ethereum transaction fees work is kind of it's on an auction system, all right. Um, so these fees 
uh, weren't built into Ethereum to try for some eth company, Ethereum, you know, incorporated or whatever, to try to capitalize off these fees. Now, th the fees happen because um, the fee structure is there in place to prevent DDoS attacks or DOS attacks, which is denial of service attacks. And that's what happens whenever you have malicious actors go into some place, like a website, for instance, and they have the forms on the website, and they just put in a bunch of different uh, uh, entries into that, and they automate it with bots to try to flood the server with all these requests to the point that it crashes the server. Like, well, who would do that? Why would they do that? People do that, okay? And, uh, yeah, they, they want to crash the system and... And uh, that's why the, the feed, the gas is there in the first place to prevent automated bots from doing this type of crap. Because if you have to be you know, paying something of financial out of it, you know, there's a lot less incentive to try to do stuff like that because it would be too expensive to do some kind of attack like that. Um, but um, there's also an auction system, you know, so. You have the gas fee, but if you want the more people that are using the network, you know, the more requests they are, the more they get backed up, and then the gas has a price. So you can pay more for that gas fee if you would like your transaction to go to the front of the line. You know, so this sets a market amount for the gas price. And um, yeah, and that's that's where gas prices come from. And um, so uh, I'll talk about some other stuff like that here in a second. Um, but, oh, yeah, yeah. So I had yesterday, yesterday evening, my neighbor Ben, a couple doors down from me, and I discovered that he's, you know, into NFTs. He went to NFT NYC last year, and he was just, you know, that's how we got to talking. He's like, yeah, I'm headed to New York, and uh, um, I'm going to go to this conference called NFT NYC. I was like, holy crap, dude. So you're going to NFT NYC. This must mean that you're really into crypto and NFTs. Then we just like locked eyes like, yes. And then we just started talking shop. And it's like everybody else around. It was at his kid's birthday party. Everybody else was around. And, uh, you know, <laughs> suddenly everybody else left the room. And it was me and him talking to NFTs and crypto. And that hasn't really happened on like an in-person basis like that before. But uh we were talking about yesterday about NFTs because that's the angle that he's approached crypto and gotten into crypto from. I approached crypto from more coming from a DeFi angle. Um, so and and uh, you know a lot of times when people are coming in through DeFi, they have to learn the fundamentals of consensus mechanisms and blockchain and public and private keys uh, and all that type of stuff. But people now coming in through gaming and play to earn are coming into crypto from a whole other uh, angle. All right, so. Me, DeFi, I'm learning about decentralization, anti-censorship, and all this stuff. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's very libertarian, ideal-based. And, and uh, you know, I'm kind of a libertarian type of guy. So I was just like, all right. Um, and that's what got me to fall in love with crypto and the whole idea of decentralized finance because there, there's no censorship. And there, there's nobody to tell me that I need to have, you know, at least $250,000 of uh, assets in my bank account in order to be able to be accredited to invest in something. You know, I can take responsibility for my own private keys. You know, I can run a node uh, and uh, help participate in the decentralization of the network and help fight censorship. Uh, but, uh, 
Ben, you know, my neighbor, he approaching it from a, a gaming and a defi and a, an NFT approach, in which he's going in and he's, you know, he, for, he was trading collectibles, Pokemon cards and basketball cards and things like that, and uh, he was flipping GPUs and buying and selling and all that stuff and making money that way. And then once he learned about NFTs, it was just a natural progression of events. Now, all this, and that's kind of how he came into it, and he didn't really care about decentralization or not. Like, he's in it to flip the product and stuff like that, being a buyer buyer and seller type of person that he is, which is fine. That's the way a lot of other people get into crypto. And, and then he got into play-to-earn gaming, um, which is he's always been a gamer as well, and uh, he's been able to... Um, use the idea of, you know, because you know how much people spend in money in games. You know, you're playing that stupid game on your phone and you're almost at this certain level, you know, where you'll be unlocked for a bunch of new stuff and really open the game wide open for you. But you got to, like, get to this certain level and you have the little, you know, continue playing for, you know, five ninety nine you know. And they always pop that up right before you're about to get to this next level. And sometimes you just, like, cave. I've done it. And you're just like, ah, man, you freaking hit buy gold. And you buy the gold, you know, in order to unlock and get yourself to that next level. And then you see the bill later and you're just like, crap, man, because you've done that several times. And But... What does that really get you? In a centralized game, it gets you nothing. Once you're done with the game, you can't transfer those assets anywhere. You can't liquidate all the, the cool guns and gold and skins and all that stuff you bought. But if you're working on a play-to-earn game system, you can. And once you're done with one game, you can liquidate your assets on one game and move over to another game and then rebuy those assets with the assets you sold on another game. Or you can take, like for instance, your, your, your character skin or a gun or some kind of helmet and sell it on the open NFT marketplace because those are all NFTs. So that's the approach he's taking. And a lot of those markets are centralized. However, one of the things that he brought up was um, he's playing this game called Ether Orcs, and he says, well, this is the first on-chain Ethereum um, NFT play-to-earn game. And what did he mean by on-chain? Isn't all this stuff supposed to be on-chain on Ethereum? And you're just like, huh, um, actually, no. A lot of NFTs that you'll see, including CryptoPunks and Bored Apes, I believe, um, the actual JPEG information... Um, is not on-chain. Um, so what is actually on the blockchain then? Um, so let's, let's, let's take a look at, you know, board a yacht club. Now, these NFTs are super expensive, right? And all the celebrities are buying these and CryptoPunks and, you know, there's kind of like this rich rivalry, rich person rivalry between who holds the CryptoPunks and who holds the Bored Apes, you know. Um, actually, let's go to the OpenSea collection. And and it's just, you know, it, it seems so ridiculous that people are spending, you know, several hundred thousand dollars and millions of dollars for these, you know, JPEGs. Um, but it it's there, you know, and it's like a money laundering haven. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's pretty much what wine clubs are, you know, wine investing clubs and what, you know, a lot of these, you know, uh, you know, art auctions, you know, Christie's auctions or whatever, you know, people paying these ridiculous amounts of money for these total like BS paintings uh, that like a two year old could do. Um, it's because there's a lot of money laundering going on. Guys, who are we kidding? Um, so let's see here. OK, hold on. I'm waiting for this page to open. But. Um, I just wanted you to see it. 
so you can kind of visualize it. And for those of you who are listening on Spotify, sorry, you'll get better audio quality. But I'm just bringing up an, uh, an open C page that's showing all the board apes. And, um, you know, right now, these bids are going for six Ethereum. Uh, here's one for 77 Ethereum for board ape. And each Ethereum right now is $2,500. So that's a lot of money. Here's one for 88 Ethereum. But the actual image information creates a lot of code if you were to try to put that on block on a and if you were trying to put that on block on a blockchain that would get expensive because the more code you have in your smart contract the more room it takes up on the blockchain and what you're paying for whenever you're paying to put the gas paying in gas to put on the blockchain you're paying for your allocated spot for all your info, you know, all, all your code and all, you know, all the code that's making what you want to have happen, happen, you're buying space, real estate on that blockchain. All right. And then whenever you have a smart contract that's not well written, it creates a lot of blockchain bloat is what that's called. And uh, um, smart contract bloat also. So it's bloated with code and therefore it's really expensive. So a good programmer and a good coder knows how to create a real skinny smart contract. One that uses the bare minimum of code but gets the job done well and securely. Um, and that makes for a faster and cheaper transaction. But because of these JPEGs... Um, take a lot up a lot of code in order to make because each you know pixel of a jpeg is a hexadecimal number and a hexadecimal number you know per pixel added up to millions of pixels i mean that's a lot of code and whenever you have to store that up on a blockchain yeah that can get really expensive and so it takes a lot of gas um so what what these nft projects do um to avoid that is they they only put the hash algorithm, which is that long number, um, instead of the image information. So they put the, the hash algorithm up there. Uh, the, the, yeah. So whenever you're doing a transaction, you get a hash number that reflects what the, the unique transaction. Okay. So it's the receipt. So you get the receipt. So when these JPEGs are being put up on blockchains, the JPEG information stays on a server. All right, and only the hash associated with that, the, the receipt of it, gets put up on the blockchain. So that's really the only thing permanent with a lot of these NFTs. And that's why Ben, my neighbor, was bringing up the whole idea of the Ether Orcs being the first on-chain NFT project. That's what he meant. And so here is where his world, coming in from NFTs, and my world, coming in from DeFi, start to merge. Because... Coming in from DeFi, you're all about anti-censorship and, you know, you're about the libertarian ideals and coming in from his, he's about capitalism and he wants to um, flip and make money. Uh, but he is now seeing value in the fact that he's being involved in a crypto project that can't be censored, that is the entire JPEG up on the blockchain and not just a hash representation of it. So that adds value for him and his customers. Um, so here's where those two ideals start to merge. Everybody cares about not being censored. Um, so this leads me to the whole recent um, issue about Infura. Well, Infura is a, um, a node network and it's a node service, right? And so your MetaMask wallet is the wallet that you use, that's a browser wallet that you connect to Ethereum. So let me um, 
get oh, okay so you can see that on my screen and for those of you uh, on spotify i'm just basically just on a web page and uh um so you you have your browser wallet made a mask and you can click on it and uh um, whenever you are connecting to a DAP, which is a decentralized app that uses your MetaMask connection, and that's what gets you access to the Ethereum blockchain and to use a lot, open up yourself to the world of a lot of these amazing websites, right? So once you learn how to use a MetaMask wallet, you suddenly have the key to an entire Web3 world, and it's pretty incredible. Um, but um, it's kind of tough for everybody to run their own node. Um, and that's really what decentralization should be and is about. Everybody should, you know, be able to run their own node. Um, but that's not possible. So there are node services that take care of a lot of this stuff. And the Infura is one of those. And it, it takes care of the API uh, that, uh, that connects to the blockchain. And so all you have to really know how to do is, is just to be able to build a website. And then you can use a service like Infura to take care of all that Web3 connection and connection to the blockchain stuff. Because there's a lot of developers out there who don't really have the skills or the time or the money to be able to you know do all this type of uh, development that requires access to the blockchain. So here's Infura.io, the world's most powerful blockchain development suite. Um, if I can get this window out of the way, where'd you go? Okay, our suite of high availability APIs and developer tools provide quick, reliable access to Ethereum and IPFS networks so you can focus on building and scaling next generation software. So the, the developers don't really want to have to sit there and fiddle with all this configuration with, you know, trying to connect their websites to the blockchain. They want to create their websites. So this service makes it easy. However, there's a cost of centralization here, but let's look a little more at uh, Infura. So your gateway to blockchain development and backed by Infura's world-leading infrastructure. Uh, hold on, let's see here. Let me make, there is that. That way you can read the whole thing if you're watching. Um, okay. <clears throat> Backed by Infura's world-leading infrastructure, our, our products dynamically scale with your application to meet the demands of your users. And the more traffic you're going to have on your website, the more difficult all this stuff becomes. So this is a service that takes care of a lot of that stuff for you and uh, just allows you to create an easy uh, connection to the blockchain. Uniswap uses it. Infura helps us to, to improve the reliability and performance of our service and saves us developer time and resources so we can focus on, instead on accelerating core product development. Um, and so, I mean, there's there's a lot of other protocols that use it. Maker uses it. Opera uses it. CryptoKitties pool together. You know, the Truffle development suite, um, IDEX. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of big players that use Infura. Okay, so however, this kind of creates a point of centralization, and that goes completely antithetical to what you know, DeFi and what crypto is supposed to be about, right? So let's go take a look at this Decrypt article. Um, Decrypt is a really great news source. I, I like it a lot. I use it for a lot of my you know, shows and to be able to explain a lot of concepts. They have a great section, a learning section. Um, I would definitely recommend checking out D Decrypt. Same thing with a... The Defiant as well. It's another great learning resource. But anyway, what is Infura? <clears throat> Connecting the blockchains is messy and complicated. Infura offers to do that work for you, but that brings with it fears uh, over increased centralizations. They say blockchains are hard.
hard to use. Wouldn't it be nice to have something that makes navigating the decentralized web a bit easier? That's where Infura comes in. It promises to make building on Ethereum easier and quicker, but in the process, does Infura make Ethereum more centralized? We find out below. And this was written on January 22nd, 2019, folks. Um, so what is Infura? It's a set of tools for anyone to create an application that connects to the Ethereum blockchain. It interacts with the Ethereum blockchain and runs nodes on behalf of its users. It's used by MetaMask, CryptoKitties, Uport, and Truffle. Infura essentially provides the necessary tools for any application to start developing on Ethereum immediately without the need to run the complicated infrastructure themselves. Um, that's the, Mike Godsey, the product manager in Infura. What is the problems does it solve? It makes it... Uh, Infura makes life easier for developers. There's some main bugbears. Bugbears, okay. Uh, <laughs> Bugaboo, bugbears. Uh, it helps people to store data on Ethereum oh, because storing data on Ethereum is expensive like the NFTs that I talked to you about. It's complicated to connect on the Ethereum blockchain. It's slow to sync the blockchain and the Ethereum blockchain uses up a lot of space. So it helps, it takes care of a lot of that, that work, you know, that, uh, that, and it helps you, you know, handle the load. Uh, so by taking the weight off companies, Infura enables certain benefits, um, fast access to the Ethereum blockchain, um, scalable uh, by managing the nodes, developers don't have to worry about infrastructure limits, and then data storage. Instead of storing it all on chain, data can be stored, stored separately with just a hash stored on the blockchain. Um, so in 2017, did you know Infura relayed transactions that moved more than 7 million Ether? Yeah. What's the potential flaw? A lot of Ethereum-based applications rely on Infura to connect to the Ethereum blockchain and make the transactions for their users. But Infura is a centralized service that is therefore vulnerable to attacks that may limit its functionality and it could be used to censor transactions by governments or third parties. As more and more services use it, it centralizes the Ethereum blockchain around one company, and this isn't very centralized. Um, an average of 6.5 billion JSON RPC requests per day on the Ethereum network are channeled through Infura infrastructure, making the project an essential pillar of the ecosystem, said Consensus. Um, and Consensus is the big dog in the Ethereum world. And... Uh, that was in 2019. It's probably a hell of a lot more than that now. <clears throat> Why did it is, is exist then? Infura believes that the ideal situation is for everyone to host their own node. However, this utopia is far off in the future. Until then, they aim to provide the community with a service that makes integration easier. So convenience, the devil is in convenience. Yeah, devil, yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Everybody wants something convenient, and that's where the devil creeps into your life. Uh, through convenience, the world will be decentralized when Ethereum is ubiquitous and every person is hosting his or her own node. And that's probably not going to happen, honestly. So the future, perhaps the future lies in everyone having their own node. And Infura will no longer be no longer required. <laughs> until then, Infura is creating a giant on-ramp for people to use Ethereum. Until Ethereum becomes fast and easier to use, Infura's position as a centralized guide is set to continue. So that's Infura. Now, there's a problem. And this was written in 2019. Um, here we go. Uh, ZY Crypto decentralized ETH wallet MetaMask and Infura under fire for cutting off users in certain sanctioned regions. Yeah. Ah, so now we have all this Ukraine conflict. We have, you know, a lot of world problems happening since 2019. All this stuff is starting to rear its ugly head. Uh, with Western nations levying sanctions against Russia for its full-scale invasion of neighboring UK, Ukraine, MetaMask Wallet and Infura users in some jurisdictions have found themselves caught in the crosshairs. On Thursday, multiple users in Venezuela, this was written on March 3rd, um, yep, in Venezuela, 
reported having lost access to their crypto on these consensus software platforms. Now it seems that just being in Venezuela, you can't use the main connection of MetaMask with Ethereum. By Infura, tweeted one affected user, stating that this is a sign that the decentralization that they proclaim is much so much a farce. Um, although there was no direct reference to the Russia-Ukraine link sanction, it later emerged that these Ethereum networks have been erroneously configured to cut off certain blacklisted jurisdictions due to legal compliance, according to Infura. Following the interruption, um, Infura, which hosts Ethereum nodes and provides custodial solutions on behalf of various firms, replied saying that they had mistakenly configured the settings. In changing some configurations as a result of the new sanction directive from the United States and other jurisdictions. However, they had since determined what had happened and restored their services. Minutes later, MetaMask, which pivots on Infura's API because they're dependent on it to connect to the Ethereum network, also reacted, pointing a finger at misconfiguration, which they say caused a knockoff effect on its users' wallets. MetaMask relies on Infura as the default endpoint, wrote MetaMask, but this setting can be modified by users if desired or in case of any service interruptions. Right, right, okay, yeah, just point the finger elsewhere. It wasn't me, wasn't me, not I, said the fly. <laughs> so, that said, interruptions did not go down well with some crypto proponents with some criticizing the decentralization claims by the two platforms. If MetaMask slash Infura is open and willing to block countries like Venezuela uh, by IP addresses, it's only a matter of time until they are forced by regulators to censor individual IP addresses. Um, so, this is probably why the government is pretty on board with Ethereum right now and a lot of, you know, or a lot of larger corporations because I think there is a way you can censor on Ethereum um, because you can't censor Ethereum as it is, but you can censor Ethereum if it, if the access to Ethereum goes through a service, a centralized service like um, Infura that is, that is bowing down to regulations and directives and recommendations by countries and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, if MetaMask Infura is open and willing to block countries like Venezuela by IP addresses, it's only a matter of time until they are forced by regulators to censor individual people's IP addresses, wrote Larry Cermak, vice president of research at The Block. And think about this, a social credit system, you know, they're giving you a UBI, and if you don't follow lockstep with exactly what they want, or if you happen to criticize the government, uh, maybe you're on probation. And then, you know, suddenly all this access gets censored to your individual IP. And uh, you don't have access to your money. You don't have access to services and websites. And the more that Web3 comes into play, the more that this you know becomes relevant. Uh, so uh, here's Jacob King, CEO of Oracle Hawk, crypto and NFT data research firm, research firm, also condemned the restrictions, stating that 99% of cryptocurrencies and platforms that call themselves decentralized are not. Uh, they say only say it for marketing purposes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're decentralized. Yeah, we have like three nodes. <laughs> with the U.S. and its cronies moving on, and we own all the nodes. Uh, with the U.S. and its cronies moving into clamp virtually all sources of Russia's finances, including levying sanctions on its oligarchs, crypto companies have been thrown into the spotlight, putting their most guarded tenant of decentralization to the test. Um, reports of those appearing in the list of sanctions using cryptocurrencies to evade sanctions have forced the U.S. and EU nations to 
to consider outlining tougher rules that require force disclosures, albeit facing a set of pushbacks by crypto firms. Though, yeah, you know, some company or network may claim that they're decentralized. They may claim they own thousands of nodes. Bitcoin has like 14,000 something nodes, right? That's decentralization. Um, Although a lot of people argue that a lot of the miners, you know, hold a lot of the power and a lot of the miners are centralized and owned by certain companies or by certain countries. So, I mean, that is a point. But, you know, if you have a company like Infura or, you know, any other random company like, yeah, yeah, you know, we have we, we're totally decentralized. We're a blockchain. We're decentralized. You know, we're oh, we're not all owned by the same company. My cousin, you know, he has a node. We're not in the same company. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just he has a different address. He's sweet B. I'm sweet A. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, that's just how a lot of that stuff works. You know, you got to be careful and watch out. So, the censorship is is a huge issue. A lot more than people think. It's not like oh, I'm not doing anything wrong. They can't. We're getting to the point in this where a social credit system will be implemented, and you know, the second that you do something that is frowned upon or not within compliance of something then, you know, you can just immediately be switched off, canceled, and it'll just be quiet censorship. Nope, most people won't know what happened, you know. They'll turn off your phone. Somebody will try to call you, and uh, they'll get a warning saying, are you sure you want to call this person with a credit of, you know, below, uh, you know, below limits, you know. They won't tell you the exact score of somebody, but they'll say this person's credit is below limits. By contacting this person, you may receive a you know, a mark on your credit or whatever, you know? And so this type of stuff is enabled whenever stuff is centralized. All right. So uh, here is uh, one more. Uh, let's see. Where is it? Here's Larry Cermak. All right. So that's who they were talking about. And they were quoting. Uh, he says, if MetaMask and Fura is open and willing to block countries like Venezuela by IP addresses, it's only a matter of time until they're forced by regulators to censor individual people's IP address. We need alternatives immediately, hoping that Alchemy and others don't do this. Alchemy is another one. All right. So just a reminder to use uh, v secure VPNs by default when then interacting with crypto. So yeah, get a VPN. There's plenty of free ones and there's you know some very cheap ones. Just install it on your computer. You can install them on your phone too in your browser. Uh, but yeah, so ideally using a local node with MetaMask um, or other wallets, but not many people will do that, obviously, the VPN. Most importantly, let's put pressure on wallets to not do this shite. They should be neutral. So try to use a wallet. There are plenty of other wallets out there. I think there's Rainbow Wallet. There's the Argent Wallet. There, there's other Ethereum wallets that you can connect uh, to your your dApps and your websites on. You don't, you're not just limited to MetaMask, y'all. Um, so um, there's Tally Wallet now, which I believe is also... Uh, open source and it, it's not um it, i don't think that they use it in fura so this the source for this information for those asking is a bunch of people based in venezuela unable to use metamask within fura today and also support this page um so uh here's uh, a, a little screenshot why Infura cannot serve certain areas this is uh, by default, MetaMask accesses the blockchain by Infura, which is unavailable in certain jurisdictions due to legal compliance. When you attempt to use MetaMask in one of these regions, you'll receive this error message. MetaMask is unable to connect to the blockchain host. Please review review possible reasons here, and it gives a link. So the official explanation by Infura wasn't permanent yet, but it, the point still stands. Uh, so at some point, it will be. 
So Infura said, in response to to the concerns we've been hearing, we want everyone to know that we corrected the problem that so many of you have pointed out. In changing some configurations as a result of the new sanctions directives from the United States and other jurisdictions, we... And it goes to show this thread. I don't really feel like reading that thread. But you kind of get the point. You know, uh, there's, there's some issues going on here. Um, there was another one. Let's see here. Uh, I, I was looking up. All, all I did was just do a search, and I used pre-search because pre-search doesn't censor their results. Um, that's what the problem with Google, too, and with Web2 platforms. So basically, MetaMask is falling into the trap of Web2, and the whole reason we created crypto in the first place was to get rid of, to get away from this type of crap, you know? Um, so let's see here. <clears throat> um yeah, let's let's go look at this article right here. Um, yeah, so Google gives you the 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 results that it thinks you'll want, you know, and uh, really that's what that their alibi, but really they're just censoring results. Um, so here's the Bitcoin MetaMask and Fura clarity connectivity problem solved. Uh, I don't know. I don't have time to run through this. I'm at 32 minutes now, so I have to go. Um, man, this is not the article I was looking for. Uh, I will try to find it and post it up on there. Um, but yeah, it was another good opinion piece on that. Uh, but a lot of people say, you know, is Web3 a myth? Can we be truly decentralized? Um, and, you know, with companies in fear, like Infura kowtowing and bowing down to regulations and pressure to censor certain countries and who knows, maybe certain individuals in the future, this could be a problem. And it goes against everything that crypto is supposed to be about. It goes against the entire reason why I got into crypto, you know, to access availability for everybody, you know, no matter what their political views are, you know. So, all right. That being said, I will uh, yeah talk to you guys tomorrow. Um, I always, I always, you know, oops, hold on one second. Uh, okay, all right, I will talk to you guys tomorrow. I always enjoy um, being able to jump on in the morning. I know I've been having a lot of guests lately, um, but uh, and guests are cool, you know, and I love hearing people's perspectives. But sometimes I just love being able to just jump on in the morning and just do my little rants and say, you know what grinds my gears? Like Peter Griffin, you know, um, and, and uh, yeah, you know, this is my time to do that. And I value this time with uh, my audience here um, to kind of take things that I've learned from all these people I've been interviewing and stuff I've been reading and be able to kind of just like process it on live on camera here. Um, so yeah, I haven't, I'm not following a script. This is not something I've pre-planned. Um, I'm just like processing all this stuff here with you. Um, so, all right, you guys have a good day and, um, I will talk to you probably tomorrow. If not Wednesday, I'm uh, interviewing just some random person I met uh, on uh, Twitter, uh, I don't even know who they are or anything, but uh, he's just like, hey, I like what you're doing. I was like, cool, man. You want to come on the show? <laughs> he's like, yeah, dude. So that's all I know. And the, that's kind of the fun of it is I don't know what I'm going to get, who I'm who I'm bringing on. So, uh, all right. Um, uh, where? Come on. Let me go. Okay. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. 
Spotify specifically. If you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. If you would like to donate some stablecoin or Ethereum, please feel free to send it to EurekaJohn.crypto or EurekaJohn.eth. This will help with the gas costs for all these protocols that I mess around with. Because that gas adds up and I ain't rich. Yet. Thanks again.